Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookson. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Getting to the heart. We started last week, and I'm going to review really quickly. Um, the, the question last week was, is your heart hard? And how can we know if our heart is hard? And we started out by saying this, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that passage is so important because it teaches us that the fullness of joy comes from the presence of God. And then as we went through that message, we kind of investigated some things that Jesus taught us, and he taught us how, how important to him our joy was and how connected our joy is to abiding in his presence, to abiding in him and he in us. And listen, um, I was just looking at some of my notes from earlier this year and things that I write down that I haven't yet said or that I plan on saying later. And one of the things that, that I really believe God wants to get through to our church and to you watching online if you're not yet a part of Emmanuel is that God is concerned about your joy and your joy is not based on your circumstance. It's not based on COVID-19. It's not based on employment. It's not based on sickness. It's not based on trials, tribulations, troubles. It's based on his presence and your awareness of it and you're continuing in it that is the joy of the lord the joy of the lord is walking in the presence of god now sometimes we feel like we can't get into the presence of god because we failed and we've fallen and we and we keep messing up and and listen nothing could be further from the truth because often it's our failing and our falling and our messing up that draws us closer to our master to our savior it, it brings us closer to him as we seek to be forgiven and cleansed and it reminds us of how much we need him the path of life is in the presence of god and in that presence is fullness of joy now so we ask the question what are some benefits we can we can discern from from enjoying the presence of the lord one is a, a pardoned soul see if you're if you're if you're watching with us this morning and you don't know jesus personally as your savior as the forgiver of your sin the pardoner of your soul that's where all of this starts it starts with knowing jesus without him there is no true life we have a body and we have a soul but our spirit is dead this is what the bible teaches us that when adam fell in the garden of eden so many years ago his spirit immediately died and that three-part man essentially became a two-part man with a dead spirit. When Jesus came to earth and he lived a perfect sinless life, the Son of God, and he died on the cross, he was dying to take the penalty of our sins so God could righteously pardon us. 
and he rose from the grave, it proved to the world that God the Father was satisfied with God the Son's sacrifice so that all who will call upon the name of the Lord, trusting in Him alone, would be forgiven for their sin, would be born again and become a child of God. That's so valuable, it's so important because that's the only way we can come into the presence of God. It's not in religion, it's in Jesus. It's not in keeping the rules, it's in bowing to the rule giver. Okay? So we get a pardon, so we get a profound love. We begin to experience and understand the love of God for us in a unique and special way, the love of a father for a child. Uh, we, we get a purposeful, a purposeful life. We get a power over sin. We get a patient heart and a peaceful mind, a persistent joy and a persuasive story. And this is, this is so important, Christian. We are supposed to impact the world with the joy of the Lord. And so if you're living your life right now and it is not characterized by the joy of the Lord, your story is not persuasive. And your story is not helping the cause of Christ spread around the world. So my goal again for this year is to begin to see Emmanuel and all the people watching online to experience this fullness of joy that comes from Christ alone, from God alone. Now, I ask the question, what are some indications that our hearts may be coming hard? Even believers can, can have hard hearts. We can fall back into our old ways. And, and so, uh, here's a list. If worship doesn't move you, right? If worship doesn't move you, your heart may be getting hard if your speech, your speech betrays your heart. Lord, help me. Y'all been following me on Facebook. Colossians chapter 4, verse number six let, your, 6. let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer everyone or anyone. Your speech betrays you. You might ask somebody, hey, do you think I have a hard heart? And they might be able to tell you whether you have a hard heart better than you can tell yourself because your speech betrays you, right? Um, speech is ungodly, cutting, doesn't minister grace to those that hear me, spreads and propagates lies and misinformation, belittles, demeans, besmirches, betrays. <laughs> Go on, preach it. I have a seared or a weak conscience. In other words, my conscience doesn't convict me before I fall and fail. My conscience convicts me after the fact. That means your conscience is getting weak. Your conscience is supposed to guide you into truth and to life and toward Jesus. And if your conscience is only convicting you after you fall, you may, be, you may have a, a hard heart. You live in a state of envy. You constantly parade yourself, puff yourself up. You exhibit rude behavior. You're, and this is a big one. You're self-involved. It's got to be all about you. And we read through James. It talks about self-centeredness. It's actually occultic. It's demonic for us to be self-centered, self-involved. I don't enjoy daily devotion time with God. My prayers are empty, cold, or formulaic. My prayers go unanswered or, or are regularly answered with the word no. And that's a big one as we begin to discover this, that 
as we get into the presence of God and our joy begins to come from the person of God, it will change our prayer life. Our desires begin to, begin to orbit around the person of Jesus. And so when we ask for things, we, we have them because they're in perfect alignment. If your prayers are going unanswered or rather uh, more likely are answered with a no, your heart may be hard, distant from God. Maybe your faith is weak. You have little, no joy. You don't enjoy the fellowship of the saints. Maybe you're not a generous person with your time, your talents, or your treasure. Those are ways that we can know if our heart is hard. Uh, and someone asked me, hey, could you, could you send me that list? I sent out an email. If you're not on our, on our, uh, on our email list, uh, just make sure you message me on Facebook. I'll check and make sure that you're on our list. If you've unsubscribed, then you won't get the email. Um, so here's a question. Now that I've discovered, and listen, none of us are perfect in this area, but if you've got four or five or six of those, you've got a problem. And if I've discovered that my heart is getting hard, my heart is hard, or there are areas of my heart that are hardening, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? Well, you've chimed in this morning. You've gone online. You've gone to YouTube or Facebook or our church online. And, uh, and, and you're here this morning, and I'll tell you why you're here, because God is the initiator in the softening of our hearts, and that is good news. God's the initiator in a softening of our heart. He's the initiator in your salvation. None seeks after God. None knows God. This is what the Bible teaches us, that God is the one that stepped into his creation to initiate the relationship. Not us, him. So how do we soften our heart? The good news is here in Ezekiel chapter number 36. Ezekiel chapter number 36. Let me see if I can find that on the slide because I keep messing this up. Well, I have no idea what's on the slides now, so I guess I'm just going to skip the slides. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and will keep my judgments and you will keep my judgments and do them. That's Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. So here's the good news. I, I think I have a slide that says knowledge, faith, grace, and action. I don't know if it's on there, but it should be. Um, how do we soften our hearts? How do we soften our hearts? Knowledge breeds faith. Faith breeds grace. Grace leads to action. So we have to have the proper knowledge. We have to acknowledge, acknowledge, and thank God for beginning the work of softening my heart. This is so important. God is on your side. God is on your side. So knowledge is so important. Many years ago, I did a series on prayer, and I asked this question. Do you need to know the Word of God to be able to pray well? Do you need to know the Word of God to be able to pray well? And I believe the answer to that is yes, absolutely. Do you need to know the Word of God to be able to pray? No, but to pray well, yes. You need to be in line with the character of God. And if you are ignorant of the Word of God, you will be ignorant of His character, of His will. 
See, there are, there's the written will of God. There are things in the Bible that will remove from you any question as to whether or not something is God's will because he's already given us the guidelines. Read the book of Proverbs. It's awesome, and it will give you so much wisdom, salt of the earth, kind of what used to be regarded as common sense. It's just awesome wisdom from God, and it is God's will. Listen, so knowledge helps us. It, it increases our faith. So if we want a soft heart, the first thing that we want to do is we want to acknowledge and thank God for beginning the work of softening our heart. That should give you faith. If you're here this morning, or rather if you're listening this morning, <clears throat> maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, man, pastor, I'm struggling, with this, I'm struggling with this hard heart. I'm not as soft as I used to be. What can I do? Well, first of all, take, take courage. Be encouraged. God is already at work in your heart. He is already moving in your heart. That should, that should encourage you and give you faith to know that He is on your side. He wants for us to be soft to Him. So He's already at work in us to soften our hearts. Now what's next? What do we do next? Now, of course, that's super important for us to understand that. But now we need to prepare ourselves prepare ourselves to cooperate with God in the process of softening our hearts. So he's the initiator, but he gives us certain things. He writes them down, gives us guidelines for how we can join him in this work of softening our hearts. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. So God is the initiator, but he also warns us. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Hebrews 3, verse 7, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they will always go astray in their heart. They've not known my ways, so I swore my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. Brethren, fellow Christians, beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today. And look what he says, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold to the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is, while it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So we want to join with God in the effort to soften our hearts. So on one hand, it's, it's almost paradoxical. On one, uh, on one hand, he says he will give you a heart of flesh. He's going to give you that soft heart. On the other hand, he also gives us a warning. Don't let your heart get hard. He has initiated the work. We must cooperate with him, not rebel against him. He's trying to soften your heart, people. Here's the scary thing about it. Softened hearts feel things. Softened hearts are vulnerable. Softened hearts require for us to tear down walls so God, the Holy Spirit, can minister to hurts within that we have calloused over instead of allowing them to be healed. Softened hearts develop deepened relationships and for many, that's scary. You can see that sometimes we rebel against this idea of a soft heart because it's, it can be scary. 
In Deuteronomy chapter number 10, verse 16, God says this, Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart, be stiff-necked no longer. So he is the initiator, but then he calls us. He initiates and then he calls us. Join me in the softening of your heart. Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12. Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. And when you read the break up the fallow ground here in the U.S., um, many of us might not understand what the concept of something lying fallow is. Fallow ground means that it's ground that's not been tilled. Usually it's taken a season off, and so the ground has been left dormant. So it's not been planted, it's not been sown, it's just dormant. There may be weeds there. It may be a hard crust on the surface because it's left to lie fallow. That's what that fallow word means. So now God is saying, listen, you've allowed your heart to lie fallow. You've allowed a hard crust to grow over it. You've allowed weeds to grow in it. You haven't sown into your heart the beauty of righteousness. So get in there and break up that fallow ground. What do we do? How do we do this? Philippians chapter 3. I don't think this is on my slides, brother. Philippians chapter 3 says this, but what things were gained to me. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing a letter to this church at Philippi. And the really cool thing about this letter is its theme is joy and rejoicing. And it's written by Paul, who at the time of the writing was imprisoned. And yet he's writing about having joy. Here he writes this letter. He says, what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Those things that people think are important in the world, those things that, that, that people looked at me and said, oh, that's so awesome. You have a great house, a great car, a wonderful this and a wonderful that. He said, those things, that status that I once had, Paul was a was a, was a Pharisee. He was high up in the religious organization of Israel. And, and he said, those things that were gained to me, I've counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, of knowing Jesus, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. When, when Paul answered the call to follow Jesus, he, when he recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, Man, he threw everything down and he followed him. He recognized that Jesus was worth following and that Jesus supplanted everything else in his life, that Jesus indeed was God in the flesh, the chosen one, the Messiah. And so he knew that when he chose to follow Jesus, his friends, his family, the religious leaders that he was so close to were going to reject him and he was going to live a life of persecution. And yet, he chose to follow Jesus. And he counted all of those things as rubbish. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is, is from God by faith, that I may know him. Here it is again, that word knowledge, may know him in the power of his resurrection 
and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the right resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So this is the initiation part. Jesus has already grabbed on to Paul the Apostle. He has saved his eternal soul. He has forgiven his sin. He is holding on to the Apostle Paul and he will never let him go. That's the initiation. That's the beauty of salvation. But now, Paul says, it's not enough for me just to be held by Christ. I want to hold Christ myself. Oh, it's so beautiful. He said, brethren, I don't count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. Nevertheless, to that degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. And so, what did I read all that? Those, those, those four passages of Scripture that I just read really were to, to, uh, to encourage us to be, it's, it's one word, to be intentional. To be intentional. The softening, the softening of your heart. Cooperation with God. We must be Intentional. There's a lot of people that say, I want to grow in grace. I want to be a giant of the faith. I want to have the joy of the Lord. But they're not intentional about it. They just roll out of bed and go about their day. And, and they're not intentional about spending time with God. They're not intentional about seeking to soften their heart, breaking up the fallow ground, pressing on to know Jesus. They're not intentional about developing a relationship with Jesus, with God, with the Holy Spirit, and with other believers. And so the first step in cooperating with God in softening our heart, is we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional about it, right? You got, you got to, you got to, you got to set off to do this thing. Join him in his efforts. In Second Corinthians chapter three, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse number seventeen, it says, "Now the Spirit, the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, oh, there is liberty." There is liberty, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, His glory to our glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, this is, this is so awesome. Therefore, Hebrews chapter number 12, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus. That means to stare intently at. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who is the initiator? God is. He is the initiator of our faith. He is the author of our faith and we join with Him and He finishes it. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it against that day. That's the good news. Guys, we're on the winning side. God wants to work with you. You may say, my heart is so hard, I don't think there's any hope for me. Listen to what God is saying. He's already started it. Just join in. He goes on, he said, who for the joy 
that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for considered him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. All right, so the first thing that we want to do when we, we, we're seeking to soften our heart, first of all, we've got to know God is on our side. God is on our side. There's encouragement in that. That means it can be done. You may say, I can't. Yes, you can because he's already doing it. Second thing is this. Be intentional about it. Get up with the intention of having a soft heart, a softened heart. Get up asking God, talking to God, developing that relationship with him. Be intentional about seeking to soften your heart. The next thing is, the third thing is, look unto Jesus. It seems I've been preaching this almost all of my adult life. It's funny the message doesn't change because the message is there in the Bible. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look at Jesus. Think about Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Be enveloped with Jesus. Learn all you can about Jesus. Read the red letters of the New Testament and see how he treated people, both enemies and friends and those that were far from God. Man, look unto Jesus. Look to him. Um, be immersed in the presence of the Holy One. He said, he said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And here's what the devil is telling you right now. The devil is lying to you right now. He's saying, listen, if you do this, you will have to stop doing that. Right? If you're going to live in the presence of Jesus, you're going to have to stop doing that. If you do this, it means you can't do that. If you do this, you can't do that. If you do this, you can't do that. I'm going to tell you right now, first of all, trust. Here's why, we, why, why I preached Abba Father. You can, I want you to see how all these series, since Expect Jesus, our series on Advent, I want you to see how they all fall in line. When you begin to understand Abba Father, the love of the Father God for you, and you begin to understand he has your best interests in mind, and you begin to understand that God loves you more than you love you, which is kind of hard to do because you're a narcissist. Right? When you begin to understand that God just, he loves you, then you don't need to worry about if I do this, then I'll have to stop doing that. Because when you become immersed in the glory and the spirit and the grace of God, doing that, doesn't matter anymore it fades away or 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 it could be that satan is lying to you he could be lying to you well if i do this then i can't go to the movies that would be a lie All right sometimes the enemy tries to make things appear as sinful when they're not just to get you to stop from softening your heart and surrendering to the Lord. So I would say this, surrender and let him decide what you let go of. Because if he calls for you to let go of something, this is why we preach to Abba Father, it's for your good. And it's for the good of those around you. And it's such it's such an amazing thing. I hope you all experience this. It's so cool. Romans chapter. So first, right, um, God is on your side. Second, you got to initiate. You got to be intentional, right? Rather. Third, you got to look to Jesus. Fourth, Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings. What kind of tidings? Glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, right, the next step in softening our heart is you gotta hear the word of God. You gotta hear the word of God. Now listen, I mean that, listen, I believe that means you gotta open the Bible for yourself and read it. I do believe that. I believe that means you ought to have daily devotionals with God and you ought to read his word and and pray to him that his spirit may illuminate your heart to understand what he's saying and how to apply to your life. But I also believe it means this because he talks about preachers here. It means you ought to listen to the preaching of the word of God. It increases your faith. In fact, it produces faith. How many of you today would say, I need more faith, I want more faith, I wish my faith was stronger? Well, here's the formula. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Proper hearing comes by the Word of God. Hear the Word of the Lord. Hear the Word of the Lord. This is the knowledge part. Knowledge, remember the first word was knowledge. The second word was what? Faith. Knowledge of the Word of God, knowledge of God Himself produces Faith. Faith must be over our feelings. When I began my journey a while ago, I sat with my counselor, he was a spiritual counselor, and I sat with Sam, and we were discussing the Holy Spirit. And he shared some things with me, and he said, will you do what I ask you to do? And I said, If it's biblical, I'll do it. He said, okay. And then we talked about the Holy Spirit, and he said, what do you think? I said, i got to think about it. He's like, well, if I can show you Scripture, will you agree to try it? I said, absolutely. Because it didn't matter how I felt about it. What mattered was what God said about it. Faith must always be over feelings. Feelings come and go. Oh, I feel so close to God. I don't feel close to God. I feel the presence of the Spirit in this place. I don't feel the presence of the Spirit in this place. Whether you feel the presence of the Spirit or not, if you have asked for God to fill you with the person of the Holy Spirit, Luke says, it's a, that's one of the gospel testimonies of Jesus, Luke says, if you ask the Father, He will give you the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if you ask, He will fill, and how you feel doesn't change it. Faith over feelings. You say, I don't feel like my heart is getting soft. Do you believe God is the initiator? Do you believe God wants your heart soft? He's already working in it. In fact, the, 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 the reality that, that I said a moment ago, that you are sitting in your living room, dining room, kitchen, car, somewhere in the sanctuary, somewhere in the building, wherever you're sitting, the fact that you are listening to this sermon is evidence that God is intentionally initiating the softness of your heart. Will you join Him in that work? James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse number 
22. But, now James wasn't alone in this, by the way. Jesus said, if you hear these sayings of mine and you do them, you will be blessed, right? But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his face in a mirror. For he observes himself, he looks at himself in the mirror, and, and, and goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the word of the living God, and continues in it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one is blessed in what he does. Be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Do the work. Do the work. When I went away to my counseling retreat back in, uh, back in November, I met with my counselor and he said, I've never, I've never had an intake paperwork quite like yours before. So what do you mean by that? He said, you were so open and so transparent in what you wrote to us and what you've spoken to me today. We're going to get two weeks worth of work done in, in one and as we began to counsel, listen, it was, uh, it was five hours of counseling a day and then probably another three or four of education. He had another curriculum. We were talking about another issue that I was working on. He said, well, I have this set of DVD curriculum. Uh, it's X amount of hours. Why don't you watch the first one? Maybe you can get through it before you leave, the first one. And I said... This isn't tooting my own horn because I'm still struggling, but I'm getting past things. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll watch all of them. He's like, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot. I'm like, listen, I'm not here to waste time. I'm away from my wife and my kids and my church. I'm not here to waste time. And so there was breaks built in for lunch and dinner and walks, and I basically skipped most of them because I was there to do the work. And this is what I want to challenge you, church. Now, you, we can't all go away to week-long retreats, but we can take the Word of God as it's preached and taught to us, and we can put the work in. Do the work. God challenges you. God confronts you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. Respond, reply, apply. Do the work. Join with this great God of ours who has already told you, I'm on your side. I love you more than you can imagine. And I am on the scene softening your heart. Join me. Will you join him this morning in doing the work. Do the work. Do the work. Man, I, God is so awesome. He is so awesome. When He calls us to do things, He provides the means to do them with. God's never called a man to preach that He has not enabled that man to preach. He's never called a man to give that He has not enabled that man to give. Whatever he calls us to do, he calls you to serve, he will enable you to serve. And here he's calling on us to soften our hearts. He has given us the power, he has given us the tools, he has given us his word. Will you join him in doing the work? 
Matter of fact, Philippians, that, that same letter that I mentioned earlier, he said that we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. In fact, so, so we're already redeemed. God has saved our eternal souls, forgiven us of our sins if we've trusted Jesus and not ourselves or religion. So we are safe and secure. And even though we're safe and secure, God said, man, that is not enough. Don't stop there. Like the Apostle Paul said, Jesus is holding on to me. I have been apprehended. But I'm going to live like I haven't been. I am going to press on and press into Jesus. I'm going to try to get a hold of him. I want to know him. I want to live with him. I want to be like him. He is my joy and crown. Man, I'll tell you, in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Satan does not want you to live with a soft heart that is open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He does not want you to live with a soft heart that is open, open to the healing of the Lord. He does not want you to have a soft heart that is open to serving others. He wants your heart to stay hard. And if he can deceive you by telling you that allowing the Spirit to come in and work on you and, and cooperating will lead to a life that is joyless, colorless, empty of fun. Guys, he's one. We don't want, listen, we don't want to listen to those lies. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. Now, if you're here this morning and, and online and, and you've been watching this with me, and you don't know for certain that if you were to die today, that your sins are forgiven. And you don't know for certain that if you were to die today, you would be immediately in the presence of God in heaven with His holy angels. You don't know for certain that God is your Father. Listen, man, you don't need to stay that way. He has initiated with you the softening of your heart. And He wants you to place your trust in Jesus right now this morning. He wants you, like Paul, to turn your back on religion, turn your back on your good works and your good deeds. He wants you to turn your back on your sin, on your grudges. Right? He wants you to turn your back on your filthiness, whatever it may be. And He wants you to turn to Jesus. He wants you to believe that Jesus died for your sin. Whether it's self-righteousness or unrighteousness, both are sin, and Jesus died to save you from it. That is the beginning. Would you come to Jesus right now with me? Would you pray with me? First of all, if you understand that you're a sinner before a holy God, that your self-righteousness is actually unrighteous, and you want to be cleansed from that sin, you want to be changed, you want to be forgiven, that's step number one. Number two, do you believe Jesus is who he said he was? He said he was equal with the Father. He is God in the flesh. He is the living word of God. Do you believe that about Jesus? That's the second step. Do you believe that you have sins that need to be forgiven and cleansed? And do you believe that Jesus is the perfect son of God come into the world to die in your place? That's what the cross is all about. The cross is about Jesus taking your punishment and mine 
so that we could receive his righteousness. He swapped places with us. If you believe that, you're almost there. One more thing. They buried him. They buried Jesus. And three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that the Father was satisfied with the offering of the Son for the sins of the world. So if you want to turn from your sin, be forgiven, and you believe Jesus is God in the flesh and died on the cross to take your place and rose from the grave, there's only one more thing to do. Will you call on Him? Will you trust in Him? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to cleanse you of those sins by the blood of Jesus? If you'd like to call on Him this morning, would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, I come before You, God. I come before You unrighteous, a sinner, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, that He is, he is the Son of God and He died in my place. And I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. And based on what Jesus did, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would cleanse me of my past, my present, and my future, and that you would make me into your child. Save my eternal soul from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, which is hell, and give me a new life and a new way of life. Jesus, thank you so much for coming to this earth to take my place. Thank you for shedding your blood for me so that I could be redeemed and forgiven. Help me now to live with you and for you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, if you've joined us in that prayer for the first time, I'd really encourage you to go to the top of our Facebook page, that pinned post that says contact us. And just hit that button and let us know that you trusted in Jesus as your Savior. Let us know that God is making a difference in your life. And remember, that's the first step in softening your heart to the life God has waiting for you. A life of joy, not based on circumstance but in the presence of God and a story that is persuasive.